0: Bedrosian throws to Sandberg, and the pitch is grounded to second base. Thompson has it, throws to first. It's over. 27 years of waiting have built on it. The Giants have won the pennant. Brad, it is 2021. Happy New Year, my friend. How are you doing on this uh, Monday afternoon? I'm good, and
1: Happy New Year to you, too, man. That was... Uh... I don't really remember what happened in 2020. It seems so long ago, but... uh uh, I, it's over and we are in 2021, uh, not a lot feels different so far, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get to some baseball at some point in the next couple of months and some real baseball on the field. Uh, and then I think at that point, you know, you get the, the whole spring of 2021 and I think things are going to start to look up and feel a lot better by then. That's what I'm kind of hoping.
0: Well, I will say that uh, New Year's was quite different. New Year's Eve was quite different than normal. And, you know, just out of just out of like this year was too weird. I'm not even going to watch Ryan Seacrest on Dick Clark's uh, New Year's Rockin' Eve or whatever they call that show yeah, I think it's still do the that same sh- thing <laughs> how can you do that show in a pandemic like so I just was anti I was like nope, I'm not even I'm not even turning it on I'm not even watching the uh, the the clock go to uh, midnight so I, I I completely avoided everything I forgot what it I think I was uh maybe I was like Playing video games with my kids or something. I don't. I don't remember. <laughs> um, but don't yeah, remember, so, that was
1: only three days ago.
0: I know. Yeah, I know. These <laughs> last these last few days have been have been uh, pretty tiring here. So because because I'm I've been off. Oh, so thanks. my my clock is a little bit different. I haven't. I, I will go back to work on Wednesday. But uh, but yeah, since uh, the 23rd was our last day in the office, so I took a couple extra days. But yeah, I'll be back Wednesday.
1: No man, I only took two full days off during this the the holidays here Cause again working from home and and you know a little bit different from my work uh we're not in as long as we're not in trial uh you know my my work is a little bit slower but you know still and during the holidays it's always slow so it was kind of a perfect combination of everything but
0: yeah yeah no and you know it's 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 good that you're able to do that because i still talk to people who are like yeah you know my my job makes me go in one or two days a week. I'm not even sure why. It's almost like some of these companies, they just don't trust their employees or something. <laughs>
1: you know, and that could be it. And and luckily with ours, they pretty much look at it as like, hey, you're getting a lot of work done and probably more at home than you would in the office. So go for it. So it, it's been really nice. That, that's been a nice part of it. But, you know, someday we'll see people again, I guess. I don't know. I'm not. Uh, I, I'm good either way. As long as I've got baseball, I don't really care what else happens for
0: that. Yeah, because of my commute, I lose like three hours every day just commuting. Oh <laughs> God! So you know, Ooh. when I do work from home, I'm I'm on earlier. I'm, you know, working l- later because I'm not tired from commuting. So it, yeah, it's right. better. It's better. But I mean, I get it. You you know, there's still a chemistry standpoint. So
1: oh, for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, we again, this is we're at that time of the year where the news is not coming hot off the presses, <laughs> but there is some stuff to talk about. Uh, the Giants are supposedly in the mix for a Japanese pitcher who is coming over to the U.S., and I think he is actually here in the U.S., and, and they are there's a deadline of, of uh, a few days from now, as far as when he needs to figure out what he's going to do, correct?
1: That is correct. Yeah, they uh so Tomoyuki Sugano, who's a uh, uh Japanese-born pitcher, has pitched the last 8 years in the NPB, which is the Japanese league. So uh, they consider it just a step above Triple-A. So you see a lot of guys who have come over like Ichiro, uh Kenta Maeda, uh Masahiro Tanaka. A lot of those players have come over, mostly pitchers. Um and really shined here in the United States in the major, major league baseball. Um, because the competition that they face over there is pretty close to what they would face over here. Um, and he's pitched eight years over there and, uh, pretty much decided he's kind of done most of what he can do. Uh, and so in the, um, Transfer. I, I'll, I'll call it a transfer window. That's very soccer of me to say, but mm-hmm. you know, like so. So somebody will get posted uh, from a league like that, and they'll be posted for thirty days, uh, and then you can have negotiations with that player in those thirty days. And that thirty days is up on the seventh of January. So if you're listening to this after the seventh of January, we know what's already happened. Um, he can go back to the Yomiuri Giants, which is who he has played for his entire career. Uh, or uh, from what I've heard, it's been kicked around a four-year deal to play here in the United States. Uh, the San Francisco Giants are one of those teams who are in on him, uh, along with the Toronto Blue Jays, Boston Red Sox, Texas Rangers. Uh, Mets just pulled out today as we're recording this, so they are not in it anymore. Um, but I think that what I've heard is kicked around his four-year deal with a an option after the end of each year to opt out and go back to japan and play for the Yomiuri giants so pretty interesting um you know such a he's a great pitcher uh and the giants could look at him really as a number one almost um, probably a number two and in some of the you know more stacked teams i think he'd be a two or a three but he's got a a, a low 90s fastball slider forkball change uh more like a quato type of pitcher so would be interesting to see and we've just got a couple days left to go
0: so i looked at his stats in the uh, japanese league he i mean he he did strike guys out but it wasn't the the type of strikeouts that we see that teams are really paying for right now he wasn't averaging like 10 strikeouts per 9 innings he was you know he was he was in in some years he was one strikeout an inning and in others he was probably closer to like 7 per 9 or something but uh, that that's one thing that i was kind of wondering about because you said he is a little bit like queto and you wouldn't necessarily call Cueto a power pitcher or a strikeout pitcher, he's more just a, a really smart pitcher with with you know great control and could put the ball wherever he wanted. So is that more what he is?
1: I believe so. And, and they said that, you know, you look at uh, Cueto's control and then you add a little bit for Sugano. Um, so he's, he is a really good control pitcher. Uh, I had read an article, too, where there were some sometimes when he was in the uh, he did pitch in the World Baseball Classic uh, against the United States team. Jim Leland was the manager of the United States team at the time. Completely impressed. He said his control of his slider is so ridiculously good that there were some 3-0 counts that he got into and he threw the slider to get a strike I mean that's you don't see that very often uh, again different league um you know one one note is though that in the 2013 season I don't know what other season he did play with uh, a guy named John Bowker mm
0: so, Mania.
1: so in bowker mania so he got a taste of that uh, over there but uh, <laughs> but yeah so it, you know it's pretty interesting they play. Let me do some quick math. Uh, 100, about 100, 137 games uh, is the Japanese league season. So about 30 games less than what we get. So you are going to see some numbers a little bit lower when you look at their numbers. But yeah, he uh, I think his um, uh, Sugano's uh, his career-high strikeouts in the season is 200. Um, Which is still fantastic for the type of pitcher that he is. Um, And, you know, in the Japanese Baseball League uh, over there, they've got a lot of really good contact hitters. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not quite. They're not
0: swinging for the fences. No, not the guys in the U.S.
1: (laughs) Exactly. More like the Ichiro uh, prototype of player where they put the bat on the ball. I mean, that's what you know, you put the bat on the ball. Good things happen. And that's that's been a philosophy, you know, here in in the United States in the, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s. And then all of a sudden, you know, chicks dig the long ball. So Mm -hmm. you beef up and you hit home runs and everything changed. But uh, regardless, when you look at his walks per nine, did you happen to look at those numbers? Those were pretty ridiculous over his career. Mm -hmm. Um, Eight years in the NPB. And his walks per nine look like this 1.9, 2, 2.1, 1, 1.3, 1. Wow. 1.5, 1.6, 2.1, and 1. 1.6. And he keeps the ball in the yard. His highest home runs per nine was 1.3. He had a rough season in 2019, um, and that was the year he set his record for walks per nine and home runs per nine, but bounced back last year. Last year, he went 14-2 and with a 1.72 ERA. Um, So he really did bounce back big, but usually his home runs per nine are are well under one, uh, more in the half uh, home run per nine
0: range. So uh, his walks per nine was like... uh Jonathan Sanchez's walks yeah. per three. <laughs> <laughs> That's about right. <laughs> you get the
1: anti Jonathan Sanchez with this guy.
0: <laughs> so what is what is the scuttlebutt? Do do you think the Giants are close, or are they just one of the three or four? Because I, I remember when uh, Otani was, um, you know, he he was kind of the he he was the bell of the ball. And then there were like three teams who were kind of in the mix, but there was really only one team that he wanted to come to, which was the Angels.
1: Yeah. And you know what? I would not be surprised if the Angels swooped in and did their thing. That's just kind of what they do. Plus, they have Otani. Otani can, you know, kind of let him know, hey, this is what it's like to play in Anaheim in the Los Angeles area. Um, He did mention that he does want to play for a large market team. But the Mets did pull out. That's the largest market you can get. Uh, Toronto Blue Jays are heavy on him. They are really pushing uh, Toronto where Blue Jays. Where are they even
0: going to play this year?
1: Well, then that's the thing. And that's another thing that that was brought up. I watched a Peter Gammon's um, uh, video piece the other day on on MLB Network. And he had mentioned, too, where are they going to play? And you're still in a pandemic. And you still you know have to travel across the border and quarantine for 10 days. And it's... Um, a lot more difficult in Canada right now, uh, so they're kind of wondering if maybe that takes them out of it. Um, San Francisco has always been a pretty nice destination for the Japanese players. Uh, we talked we
0: had, about uh, Masanori Murakami the other day. Exactly the, the other day, the, like uh, like probably I don't know, two months ago or something. <laughs> two
1: months ago, yeah, we were the first Japanese player in the in the major leagues played for the San Francisco Giants. Um, there's a large Japanese population in San Francisco. Uh, could kind of feel like a second home to him, possibly. Uh, but, you know, and the Giants are, are one of those teams, too, that's up and coming. They're looking at his salary and they're kicking around the numbers again. These are all guesses. Uh, we won't really know for a couple more days. Maybe even tomorrow we'll know. Uh, we, we could know early. But uh, they're kicking around the salary of, of anywhere from 8 to $11 million per year. Hmm. Well, that's a bargain. If you're looking at a guy like Bauer and then you go, well, we can maybe get Sagano over here. And then if a bidding war comes up, maybe it goes instead of four years, it goes to five years. But then you also have to deal with the opt out clause after every season. Is he homesick after one season? Mm -hmm. Does he now want to go home? And then that's it. Now you've got to go look for somebody else. Uh, But then again, you know, for the Giants pitching staff, Cueto's gone after this year. Gosman, we don't know. He's on a one-year deal. Uh, and Hopefully,
0: he'll be he'll have a few more years added onto that at some point.
1: Yeah, exactly. And DiScalvini is is probably you know he's a one-year deal also. So you got to look at all these guys and say, well, you know, the Giants don't have a you know really a starter and maybe BD, but we have to see what he does after his Tommy John surgery um and then you've also got to look at what does Logan Webb do does he bounce back from last season does he advance uh Sean um I'm going to screw it up
0: Hajel oh 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 yeah oh <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah the, the 6 Sh- foot 10 guy
1: exactly so Sh- Sean Hajel he um You know, he was in rookie ball two years ago uh, and there was no season last year for him to play in. Uh, But, you know, his 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 target date was 2021, but I'm sure that's probably changed. But you never know. I mean, you can get halfway through the season. He could be dazzling in double A or triple A and they bring him up and get him a couple of starts. But but again, really, after this season, your starting pitching staff is is very thin uh, unless they can get Gossman locked up. So you got to look at it that way, too, and say, well, here we can get kind of a bargain guy who's really good and has played eight years already in, in professional baseball. Uh, that doesn't come along every day. So that's why I think more than the Giants, Blue Jays, Rangers, Red Sox, there, there's going to be some other teams that are going to be popping in there. Mm-hmm. I
0: imagine. Do you think we should get Shioshi Shinjo on the mm. phone? Give him a, give him a few, uh, uh I don't know. What, what do you think? You think he, I, he, enjoyed his time with the Giants? I was about to say,
1: I don't know how <laughs> much he really enjoyed his time with the Giants. Uh, did he like it in New York better, you know, playing for the Mets? I don't know. It's, yeah. it's hard to say. Uh, he never really caught on with the Giants. I liked the guy who was fun to too. watch. I yeah. mean, he was, he was a blast, but yeah, I don't, he was entertaining uh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, we also had Ayoki. Yeah. So yeah. you know, it, it maybe had, he, he seemed like he had a little bit of a better time with the Giants than uh
0: than Shinjo. We also we also had a couple of Japanese Americans and Travis Ishikawa and Atley Hamaker. Right.
1: Yeah, that's true. So yeah, I mean they can make a pitch. Yeah. But I, I, I you know what I would imagine the Giants are pitching the city. You know, not not so much the ball club, not so much, you know, and of course, the ball club and what, they, what it is they're doing, and, you know, how it is they're advancing and how he's going to be a bigger part of
0: the overall plan when they they're able to uh, shelve a, a lot of the salary that they currently have on the on the books. Well, and the other thing, too, is,
1: you know, if he's felt like he's done his time in, in Japan and, and done all he can, should I say, then, and and he decides he wants to come over here for a challenge. Well, the Giants are a pretty good team to latch on to because you want to challenge. You're going to face the Dodgers lineup, the Padres lineup. You're going to go into Colorado and have to pitch there. So it's not an easy division. It's not a cakewalk. Um, you know, the Yankees aren't looking at him. The Mets aren't looking at him anymore. So you're not, you're not going to be playing in the biggest market are the Dodgers. I have not heard. I have not seen their name come up. Um, but again, you know, we're two days out and he's here in the United States and met with his um Agent over the weekend, so things are happening. So uh, it could be in, in a day or two. It could be tonight.
0: Who knows? And uh, you, you had uh, you had actually reminded me of this, but this would make an all right-handed giant staff.
1: <laughs> yeah, it would. <laughs> it would. And I don't know <laughs> if that's something. I mean, we'd have to go back and really look. When is when is the last time the Giants have done have have started the season with an all right-handed staff? Um, when was the last time any team started with an all right-handed staff got far into the season and were successful? I don't know. I mean, those that that's that's something interesting to look up. Uh, I sh- I'm sure it can be done, uh, especially if you play in a division with heavy right-handed lineups. But but the Dodgers can can. Throw nine guys yeah. batting left-handed. At you. They, they they could, and they got some switch hitters, and, and I mean, so there's so many things that can be done with that lineup. Uh, the Padres they've got some some uh, you know bashing left-handers. So you know it, you're gonna have to you go into a three or four game set with a team, and you've got all right-handers going. But but again, if we if this is anything like it was last year, our starters going to be going more than five. So then you're going to be into the bullpen. After two rounds through the lineup, uh, and then facing bullpen guys, so lefty right, and the Giants got some pretty good lefties in the bullpen. So, you know, it's 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 it would be interesting. I would be uh, I would like to see that. I think it would be kind of
0: fun to start. The, this and, and the one thing that I, I don't know how he would see this because obviously he's he doesn't play in the U.S. yet, but the Giants the the pitching scientists they they have a reputation of uh you know really really developing guys and and so uh, not not to say that they would need to really touch him if, if he continues you know that but If there was an issue or if he struggled early on or if there was some adaptability thing, having those guys with their reputation, I would assume would be really helpful.
1: Well, and he doesn't seem to be against something like that either, because after the 2019 season where he struggled a little bit, I say struggled a little bit. His ERA was like three point six. I mean, you know, over here, if he had a three point six ERA. You know he's in line
0: for some awards. There's yeah, he's he's, he's making twenty five million a year.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so after he he uh, had a three point six ERA, he made a tiny tweak to his delivery. A guy eight years into the big leagues, and he makes a tweak to his delivery, and then comes out and goes fourteen and two with a one point seven two ERA. It was a tiny tweak. If you watch the video of it, it was you know he's facing the uh, catcher to start his wind up, and then takes from his hips up. He turns that part of his body to the right and then follows with his leg lift. Before that, he was going all in one body motion. His whole entire body would start out facing the catcher and his whole entire body when his leg would lift up would turn to the right. Now he started doing it in two halves, top half of the body, bottom half of the body. Um, and that's all he did just and maybe it was a comfort thing. I don't know if it got more torque on the ball. I don't I mean from watching the delivery it didn't look like things sped up or anything changed. Um maybe he just felt better doing that and mm-hmm. it was a psychological thing. But yeah, I mean you got Brian Bannister our director of pitching, you got uh, Andrew Bailey our pitching coach, now JP Martinez coming over uh, assistant pitching coach. Those guys what those guys have done, they've gotten this huge reputation for taking in pitchers to our organization and just really turning around their careers and getting them on the right path. So Mm -hmm. I'm sure that's a gigantic pitch to Sugano. I would, I would imagine.
0: All right. So we're going to talk about a few more sort of newsy things related to the giants, including somebody they just signed. At least I saw it about an hour and a half before we started recording. But before we do that, and, and at the end of this, because of the lack of real news, we're going to... We teased this a few weeks ago. Uh, We're going to go over our our top five uh, favorite baseball movies of all time. So, that'll that'll be the end segment.
1: And that was uh, difficult. That was, like, ridiculously hard because... I
0: I have, like, 13 or 14 that I I was, like... (laughs) Like I think I have my my f- one through four is really solid. I don't have a real strong fifth though. So all right, I, there's like a bunch of them that kind of fit all together. But anyways, but before that, uh, we 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 didn't mention the uh, the, the the adult beverage that we were drinking today. So I um, all right, again
1: pronunciations today. I don't know why I picked this beer because it's really hard to pronounce, but I really like it. Stone Brewing Company makes the. Uh, Let's let's call it the Jocoveza, Vesa mm. um, and it is an imperial stout. So it's like 8.1% um, and it's inspired by Mexican hot chocolate. And my wife is a huge Mexican hot chocolate fan and she does not like beer. So I had her take a sip of this and guess what? She didn't like it, but <laughs> I like it a lot because it is stout that's brewed with chocolate, coffee, uh, pasilla peppers, vanilla, cinnamon, and nutmeg. So it's a really, it's not a, it's not a beer you pour and just pound it. You, you pour this beer and you take a good hour, just kind of sipping on the warmth of it. And, uh, it's not hot. You don't get the hot chili from it, but you do get the, um, you know, kind of like what you do that from, from, uh, cooking with peppers, you get kind of that, uh, that bitterness, the, the, um, Almost like a little bit of sweetness, but but bitterness on the back of the tongue. So uh, I probably went into that a little bit too much, but it's good. I like it.
0: All right. So I had mentioned that I would found a great usage for the cold brew whiskey from Jameson. Yes. And basically, I just put it in cold coffee and, it, and it's delicious. <laughs> And so, uh, I, right before we recorded, I did my walk. I do about a three-mile walk every day, and at the halfway point is the Starbucks. And so, when I uh, when I hit Starbucks, I get my iced coffee or my iced americano, turn around, and walk back. And that's kind of like my that that that's my goal is just hit the Starbucks, come back. It's about three about three point one miles, oh, that's and so. Now, because of the the cold brew whiskey, I'm like, oh, this is perfect. Like, I won't even finish the the iced coffee or the iced Americana, but I'll just sort of put it away and then if I wanna have a drink, then I'll I'll put that cold brew whiskey in it. Except I ran out. And so I was like, hmm, would bourbon be just as good in the iced coffee? The answer is no, but it's not bad either. Uh, The bourbon taste is uh, a little stronger, I think, um, and it doesn't... Blend as well as that cold brew whiskey does. So that because the cold brew whiskey just makes it taste like, uh, you know, coffee with, uh, with just like a a taste of, uh, of alcohol. With the when when I put the bourbon in, you can really taste the bourbon. So, it's it's okay, but it wasn't it wasn't as good. So I am gonna have to go back and buy, that uh, that cold brew Jameson. So I thought I'd be able to get away with it, but nope, it's not (laughs) it's not gonna work out.
1: Um, I like, you know what? And I almost did that the other day. I had a coffee and it was, uh, I think it was New Year's Eve. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, San Jose state was playing. We don't need to talk about that game, but they were playing New Year's Eve and I made a coffee and almost dumped a little bourbon in it. But then I remembered that I really, I was, I had a really big beer that I was going to have for New Year's Eve. So I was like, well, let's kind of save it. But, uh, I have had bourbon in just regular hot coffee. That's not the best thing. I'll tell you that. (laughs) Yeah, it just kind of deadens the bourbon and just makes. where are are you with Irish coffees? You know, a good Irish coffee. I like them. Um, I I don't mind those at all because they're made well and they Mm -hmm. got the cream in them and the different stuff. But I'm talking about just like black coffee. And here's a splash of bourbon in it don't do that. Cause that, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) If you're doing that, you're, you're it's because you're at work and you don't like your job. Maybe, I don't know. But, but the Irish coffees, yeah, I like those. I I definitely can go for those. I have had those actually in the evening, uh, you know, going to like a restaurant, having a really nice meal. And then afterwards getting like an Irish coffee, that's pretty good.
0: All right, so let's hit up on the other stories of the week for the Giants. And uh, the next one that we'll talk about is uh, we had the last show, we basically all we did was talk about the Padres for the the baseball (laughs) talk. And Andrew Baggerly interviewed Zadie, Farhan Zadie, about the moves. And Farhan, I'm not, I was. Did he have a like a, a, a heart rate? Like he seemed to be so chill. He was like, eh, yeah. Yeah. yeah they're, 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 those are good moves, I guess. Yeah, he's uh, like, well, and, that, good for them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so the thing that I took away from that, and I think I think this was part of Bagger Lee's piece, is they just the Giants just believe in their roster way more. This year than they had in the last two seasons. And so, you know, the Padres kind of making that level up to compete with the Dodgers. It's and Zadie's just like, yeah, okay. like we get it. we We know the game that we're playing here, and you know, we plan to be in that game as well. And you guys just kind of beat us there uh, maybe a year or two before, but we have a good team too, so we're going to compete. And that's kind of what I took out of that conversation.
1: Yeah. And, and he kind of just reiterated, you know, like we've known all along, we're going to stay our course. Um, they built up their minor league system, so they're able to do things like that. Uh, but we're not, we're not at that point right now. We still have a ways to go with that. Um, which is fine. I, I think, you know, what we're doing is what we're doing and it's working for now and it's building and it's kind of a slow build. Um, One thing he did mention is he pointed to the second baseman for the Padres and the center fielder for the Padres, Jake Cronenworth and uh, Trent Grisham. Those guys had seasons last year. I mean, Cronenworth was second in the voting for Rookie of the Year. Uh, His OPS Plus was 128 last year, and Grisham's was uh, 122. Well, they got both those guys and just some really minor um, kind of under-the-radar Uh, deals the previous off season. He looked at those and said, that is what allowed them to then make these moves because now you've got a second baseman and a center fielder young under control. They don't have huge salaries. Um, and that allows them to go out and get bigger pieces. So with the Giants, they've done that over the years, and they're still kind of working on that a little bit, like Dubon, Yaz, Dickerson, Gossman. um Vossler, who they just picked up this year from the Padres. Because, again, the Padres have the... Apparently, they have a wealth of minor leaguers. So, if you mm-hmm. want to tap in and you need some minor leaguers, go check on the Padres. Because it seems like their farm system is bursting to the point where they're just looking to get rid of guys.
0: I but was on it, a text thread yeah, with a Padres fan and a Cubs fan, so you could imagine how that was going. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> and, Cubs fan feels like feels like he's getting ripped off.
1: Oh yeah, exactly. oh, this knows? is the
0: worst thing ever. <laughs> and the Padres fan was like, "Oh yeah, like we have several." better yeah. prospects than that guy. Those guys
1: weren't cool. going to be playing in the Padres uh, for the San Diego Padres anytime soon. Right. I mean, they've got... I mean, you've seen their lineup. Those guys... And nobody else is cracking that lineup for a little while. Maybe at first base, because Hosmer's getting older. Mm-hmm. Um, Machado, you know, in a, in a few years. But but yeah, and then to a lesser extent, I I still want to see what Jalen Davis can do for us. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm still dying to see what, if anything, he can do for the Giants. Um the cat sat on the Last year was just that weird year where he didn't really have anywhere to fit in. Yeah. Um, and we didn't have a minor league camp. I mean, our, our minor league system, we had a minor league camp. Right. So, you know, so 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 those types of guys, I think the Giants are waiting to see, okay, what, what can we do? Who can we plug in? And we're getting these guys and we're making this happen. Then we can go out and look at like the Trevor Bowers and, and you know, those types of players in a year or two. So it kind of lead, leads me to believe a little bit more that we may not see... Trevor Bauer in a Giants uniform this year, Uh, still not going to rule it out completely, but it doesn't really look like that's the way the Giants are going, especially with San Diego going all out. Dodgers are the uh, uh, you know I don't even like to say it but they're the defending world champions. <laughs> but but you know, you've got those two guys in front of you and you know you're fighting for a spot there aren't going to be as many playoff spots as there were last year. Last year was a a, a different season so you're not going to see that again this coming season. You may see one more added down the line but um but either way so that you know I think that's what the Giants are you know Zadu's basically saying let's we're staying the course. We're doing what we're doing, what we're doing what everybody else is doing is not gonna affect us going forward. It's not going to change our philosophy. It's not going to change our course. And, and I like that. I, I appreciate that because the worst type of management, the worst type of general managers in baseball or any sport are the panic type. Mm-hmm. And those are the type that see like, oh, these guys did this. Shoot, we better go out and get this guy then. I mean, if that's not if that's not your philosophy, don't go away from it. Be confident in your philosophy and stick with it and and, and ride that out. And, and I like that. I, I really like where the Giants are right now.
0: I feel like I think I think Zadie is being honest, but I also think if the Giants were competing for a playoff spot, I do think he may i'm sure he has a contingency right if if we are here then yeah then then we'll we we may give up a prospect that we wouldn't normally give up generally before the season starts but and i think that's the right way to look at it but you know it, it has they have to be doing well and they have to be competing and then and then they'll be in the mix for guys at the trade deadline or whatever but yeah like i think the right thing to do is to just you know when you have so much more flexibility um, maybe they didn't. You know, I'm sure they didn't really like a, a ton of what the free agent market was this year. So, you know, they're they're looking to one in two years ahead as far as uh, getting into the mix on some of those guys, I think.
1: Well, Especially with the, the salaries the Giants are holding on to this season, uh, it's it's hard to it's hard to look at and say well, we're we're going to make some big moves this year. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's kind of telegraphed. <laughs> they're going to make some moves next year.
0: Yeah, uh, they have, have to. to.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're going to you got to fill a roster right at some point. So, you know, and, and they you may see them start to do that around July. They may make some moves um, for some younger guys who can fill gaps for three or four years, uh, yeah, two and you, years and you're, maybe.
0: So. And you're talking like all of a sudden Belt comes out of the gate, hitting 25 jacks come August, <laughs> and the Giants aren't in the mix. And so then maybe Belt is an attractive trade, trade piece for somebody
1: exactly and and then maybe in return the Giants are getting somebody who could start at first base right away mm-hmm. and maybe fill that spot for two seasons uh, somebody who's you know finishing out a deal maybe um, you know who, whose uh, price isn't as high as belt but they can still play and you can plug them in at first base until you find a permanent solution and, and whatnot, you know, different second base, uh, a couple holes around the infield that are going to be, I mean, Solano's not going to get any younger. He's, he's up there uh, already, even though he's playing great baseball, but he blossomed late. He's not going to be there forever. So they're going to have to start looking at at second base. They're going to have to start kind of punching around different positions. And, and like I said, next year, they're going to have to go out and
0: get a lot of people. So so you're saying that in a few years, Donnie may be missing the barrel.
1: It, there's a good possibility. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a good possibility. I forgot how old he is. He's probably, I think he's thirty two, thirty three, right? Yeah, now. something like that. I call that old. I'm almost forty. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay, so uh, right before we jumped on and got and and busted out our microphones, the uh, the Giants signed someone who is going to compete. For the backup catcher spot, uh Kurt Casali, who is a Bay-, Bay Area native, he was signed to a one-year deal that will pay him 1.5 million. And according to Alex Pavlovich, he believes that it immediately makes him the front runner to back up Buster Posey. And uh, so, I mean that that is meaningful because of two things: one. We, we we thought this already but joey bart's gonna start in in the minors and secondly uh chadwick trump who they brought back uh he is he, he's going to be competing for this spot i'm i'm assuming but if he doesn't get this spot i i don't i don't know what his um yeah, as far as going back to the miners and all that, I don't, I don't, I don't know how, what that looks like for him. But uh, we had thought that, oh, you know, they, they're bringing back Trump to to back up Buster, but this looks like. They, they they wanted someone to compete with Trump and and maybe uh, Sally actually looks like he's a he's a pretty good big leaguer uh, in in this role and I I based on what I what I see as far as his statistics and and what he did last year you know three sixty six on base slugged five hundred in uh, in thirty one appearances six jacks in seventy six abs.
1: Well, you remember you remember when you were younger and and you'd find a player that you really liked uh and you'd hoard that baseball card mm-hmm. you know, you got and just be like go to the baseball card store i'm going to get he's a rookie maybe he's going to be great i'm going to get like you know 40 of his cards because yeah. only 25 cents right now the giants hoard catchers <laughs> that that's what they do they go out and i don't blame them because i mean there's a market for that so they're playing the stock market kind of so i i, I always <laughs> like when the giants pick up a catcher because i go hey you can never have enough because you get into camp and you 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 need catchers in camp anyways you got you got uh split squad games you got so many minor uh, so many uh spring training games that you've got to have like four or five catchers anyways uh, and Bart's gonna be in minor league or in uh, spring training and and so um, but but then when you get to the end of it <clears throat> you get to the end of spring training there's always that okay we got this catcher this is our starter Buster Posey this is our backup so let's say it's Trump or it's Casali. well either one the other guy might go down to the minors but it's also a nice little trade piece so mm-hmm. if all of a sudden you need a left-handed pitcher in the bullpen with some experience, well, great. Here's a catcher with some experience because because uh, Sally has played since 2014, came up with the Rays, 2014, 15, 16, 17 with the Rays, three years with the um, with the Reds. He's got 328 games under his belt, so that that's nice to have that. So when, when you get to the end of spring training, say he rakes in in spring training, but Trump is playing out of his mind in the. Giants go, well, it's a major league deal. We can't send Casale back down. So let's trade him. Mm -hmm. And that's what they do. So I think they did that a couple years ago too. It's, it's just always one of those nice things to kind of have in your back pocket. Uh, you just, you really can never have enough catchers. So it'll be a nice, healthy backup catcher competition. Uh, maybe push uh, Trump just a little bit too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, the, the Giants have, uh, bart they have bailey so they have people coming up we know that buster's not going to play every game behind the dish he'll probably play 60 percent of the games behind the dish or maybe even less than that and he'll they'll move him around he'll play some first and and stuff so flexibility will be uh, will be really good for them there all right so let's actually get to uh the end part of this conversation which is we are going to talk about our favorite baseball movies you know What I was thinking about is, like, next year and the year after, if we're still doing this podcast and there's, like, slow weeks and we've already done our favorite baseball movies, (laughs) like, like, we're going to have to come up with some, uh, two two and three years from now, we're going to have to come up with some crazy topics to to keep this thing uh, from being, like, just a 25-minute podcast.
1: Well, and you know what, the fun thing we talked about, and and we we kicked around this idea and we thought about doing it, too, we're going to find some good classic Giants games, yeah. Um, if you if you search around to YouTube, you can find classic Giants games from the eighties, nineties, two thousands. We might even have like a you know kind of like a virtual watch party. Like you know, we'll watch the game. And then we'll we'll throw it up on our Facebook page. Our Twitter page will link to it. You guys can watch it, too, beforehand. And then we'll talk about it. You know, we'll talk about that game. We'll kick around. You can ask us questions about it, throw out topics about the game uh, that you want to hear us talk about. And, we'll, and, you know, we'll kick around these games. because the off season is long and it's really (laughs) in the last few years, the moves don't happen until like February or March. So it, you know, it, it does happen, but, but again, it's baseball. There's always something going on every week in baseball. That's just kind of how it is, which is major league uh,
0: baseball thinks that they're going to start spring training on time. So that is about a month (laughs) or so, uh, maybe a little bit longer, maybe a a few more weeks. But, uh, but if that, I mean, if that happens, then, then there, there will be all the news. There will be. All right. So let's talk about our favorite movies. We decided to go five instead of three. And I thought that would give us a little bit more variation. I, like I said, I have four strong. I have my one, two, three, and four very strong. The five spot for me is a little harder to pick. Um, I'll, I'll walk you through sort of my thought process here. For love for the love of the game might be more of a like rom-com or not even a rom-com but like a, it, it's 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 almost just as much a love story as it is a movie about baseball. So I don't know uh, I like that movie. I don't know if I would consider it the greatest baseball film, though I really liked the baseball scenes because you got Kevin Costner and Vince Gully.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, was that the, ke- and you're going to have to remind, I mean, there's so many baseball movies out there. You're going to have to remind me who was in it and yeah. what, around what year it was. Cause I, I mean, there's been so many movies that I've watched um, baseball movies that I go, Oh, that was awesome. And I never went back to it. And, There are some sacrilegious, I know, but there are some baseball movies that I have not seen.
0: Yeah. I mean, how can you see all, I mean, just, you know, it's but not like I, I used to, that's what
1: I used to live for It's just doing, just like, Hey, a baseball movie's out. I'm going to go see the, this baseball movie. But then it got to a certain
0: point where I just kind of stopped. But, but there were also some really bad ones. Remember the, the babe with John Goodman <laughs> yes. playing Babe Ruth, like stuff like that was just really bad. And you're like, ah, oh, what's the other one? Um, what is the one with Tom Selleck? Oh, uh, Mr. Baseball. Yeah, yeah. Mr. Like that Like that had its moments, but overall, what, I wouldn't consider it a great m- baseball movie. Right. So there's like ones where there's certain things I like. Like I, sometimes I like the baseball. Like, oh, Tom Selleck looks like he can actually hit a fastball. Kevin Costner looks like he knows how to throw. Yeah. Like those things work. John Goodman? Mm, I- <laughs> I I don't think you know. I don't think he could go and and come on the semi pro field with us and and do much.
1: And, and the guy who played uh, Roger Dorn uh, and yeah, Corbin Burns and Corbin Burns sure as hell did not look like he could play baseball. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: okay, so so I'll talk you through it. So okay, so here here's my thought process the natural people like the natural a lot more than i like the natural i am with you on that i think part of that for me is um robert redford is like 45 years old playing like a young person's game so that that throws me off a little bit um a fun younger movie for for more of a kiddie movie a little big league where the kid inherits the team and he plays a general manager for the twins. That's a great film. That's a really really fun one, but it is also a little kiddie. It's a little it's not a Disney movie, but it's a little Disney. Yeah. Um I think this is going to be my pick. It's it's between two. I'll actually skip I'll I'll save those two for last. Um The Sandlot, I've already told you The Sandlot is not my thing. It's more The generation younger than me or the people who are like five to ten younger, years younger than me, that's their movie. And it was too kiddie for me when it first came out. Uh, there's, there's, uh, the rookie, uh, with, uh, I think it is, is it Dennis Quaid where he plays the, yes. the real story uh, of the guy who, who was the left-hander, who was a teacher. And then, uh, he figured out that he could still throw in the high nineties. And I think he pitched for the Rays, uh, sometime in like the nineties or something. And that's one I haven't seen. I believe. Uh, yeah, it's, no you know, it's, it's good. It's you should see it. Your, your, uh, daughters would really like it too. I
1: think that is on Disney Plus. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, Rookie of the Year, which is uh, the kid who plays for the Cubs, and he's got like this super arm, and then he loses the super arm at some point, and uh, that was always. Again, too young for me. That's uh, uh, Henry Gardner. There you go. It was, was the kid's name in the movie. That's there you what go. I remember. There you go. Uh, a fun one, only because you get to see Tony Danza play baseball. <laughs> Angels in the outfield. Danny Glover. Tony yes. Danza. It's fun. Not great. Uh, there was and then, a, there was a sequel. Was there
1: Angels in the infield? Oh my god! With Patrick Warburton, in you know Putty from uh, Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 2000, that film came
0: wow. out. I never watched it. I'm just letting you know it's out there, so don't go watch it. And then the last one before I bring up the two that I think uh, I may chicken out and say that tie for fifth, but uh, Jackie, the, uh, uh, the, the movie with um, Chadwick Boseman playing Jackie Robinson. Oh, right. I Harrison, think Harrison Ford's in it as well. Oh, that was called, yeah. Yeah, 42. Yep. Uh, there was that another movie, movie called Jackie, but yeah. That movie is pretty good. It's a little disnified as well. Um but I it, it was one of those things where I was like, okay, like that was solid, but it wasn't one of my favorites. So now we're, gonna, we're going down to to the two that I'm figuring out for the five spot. Moneyball with Brad Pitt. Mm, I have not seen that. Very interesting movie. It's not something that I could pop on and just fall right into it. Like I have (laughs) to have like the right mind to watch this movie. And then the Bad News Bears, which you kind of can pop in at any point and watch the Bad News Bears. I will probably lean Bad News Bears here just because I think that movie is sort of timeless. And, um, you know, if you go back and watch it. It's the 70s which is quite different than uh, than where we li- what we live in today and yeah. um who's uh, the woman the, the the young woman who plays the pitcher who uh, Joey eventually Davis. uh No the one who marries uh, John John McEnroe. Oh oh what is her name But but she's in it um uh it, no no I don't know Uh let's see what is her name Gosh, Tatum O'Neal. Oh, that's right. Okay, yeah, Bye-bye. Tatum O'Neal. So I'm gonna lean bad news bears as my number five. What is your number five? Well, I'm gonna
1: use the same. I'm gonna kind of go through a couple ones I didn't go with. I'm same with you on natural. Uh, the natural. I was 11 when that movie came out it was a little too serious for me. Uh, I probably watch it now and I'm sure I would love it. I haven't watched it in years. Um, Tiger Town, we touched on this earlier. That's the one
0: I should have added to my list because I probably watched Tiger Town a hundred times when I was a kid.
1: That one came out in 1983, so I was 10. Roy Scheider of Jaws fame. Uh, He played an aging Tigers player. Um, uh, This boy and his dad, it's a Disney movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, This boy and his dad used to go to the games at Old Tiger Stadium, and his dad passes away, and then the kid goes and... Uh, kind of uses telepathy to help, <laughs> you know, this his, older his, Roy Scheider.
0: He he, he he prays, basically. Yeah, he pre- <laughs> pretty much. He has telepathy. So
1: <laughs> you can call it what you want. But he he closes his eyes and, and just squeezes really hard. And Roy Scheider hits home runs. Yep. And all of a sudden starts having his uh, comeback season for the ages. So yep. uh, a fun movie. A really fun movie. 1983. Uh, Bad News Mer- Bears I had on there. Again, that came out when I was three. So by the time I got to watch it it was still like okay you know I'm playing little league mm-hmm. and uh, our coaches are drinking beer and, <laughs> so, and so is uh you know uh the coach uh buttermaker for mm-hmm, the uh, mm-hmm. bad news bears he's drinking beer too so I kind of connected I kind of got that didn't hit my top 5 and then and then you know you knew I was going to go way back right like yes. way back all right 1949 take me out to the ball game musical with Frank Sinatra and Gene Kelly. I had to throw that one in there cause it's a fun movie, <laughs> some good songs in it. There's dancing. It's a baseball movie, but there's singing and dancing. So, mm-hmm. you know, take her for what it's worth. It's, it's a fun movie. Uh, so my number five, you hit on it. Little big league. Mm-hmm. I could watch that movie once a year. No problem. Uh, the, the kid who takes over the team. Yes, it is a little bit kitty, but if you watch it, there's a lot of like grown up nuances to mm-hmm. it that kind of almost takes it to like the PG 13 uh, major league uh, level of movie. Um, he takes over the team. Uh, Dennis Farina plays an awesome pissed off manager mm-hmm. at the beginning. And then he fires him and becomes a manager of the team. And what was he like 13, 14 years yeah. old. <laughs> so he's got to interact with all these guys and it's, There's it's like just real fantastic.
0: Big leaguers in that. in that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That, that's right. There were uh, Teddy Higuera, I believe was in it. Um, a couple other guys. I can't remember at the time, but, but fun, fun, you know, cause it happens in the, uh, in the, in the Metrodome uh, for the Minnesota Twins because he takes over the twins so th- so that's my number five I, I had to go with that one because I kind of has a special place in my heart because I, I do watch it
0: almost yearly. All right, so let's go to number four for me and this movie I saw on a on a sneak preview so it hadn't even come out yet i think it was probably the wednesday before it comes out my dad somehow got some tickets to a sneak preview and we went to see a league of their own mm, nice. and a league of their own on the surface because of the time you're like what women playing baseball what's going on here like i don't remember so i didn't know this story of um uh, of the time when you know a lot of the baseball players were at war and 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 there're some women's leagues popping up and uh Gina Davis is uh it really made me sad when i realized that you know she was just a good actress and probably not a, a good baseball player but Tom Hanks is in is in the movie um just really good performances uh, memorable performances Rosie O'Donnell and Madonna uh and you know i ultimately one of my favorite lines from a sports movie comes from this movie which is when tom hanks's character uh is explaining why something hard is, is worth it you know he's saying that you know the hard is what makes it great like you shouldn't be afraid of something because it's hard and so i, I always like that line but you know re- really fun movie good like little historical piece and very charming um who plays the announcer uh what is the guy's name that plays the announcer in this movie? Um, Saturday Night Live guy. Oh, uh, John Lovitz. John Lovitz. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's pretty much, he's like the narrator, essentially. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I really like this movie. It. I didn't like it as much when I was younger and saw it until I got a little bit older, and I really understood, you know, the time frame. And, and you know, when you're like, I don't know when this movie came out, but I'm probably a teenager. I maybe played against one girl in my whole little league career. And so, and then you, and then you think about it, like, you know, there are many, uh, many young girls who would play little league if they weren't steered towards something else. I know your daughters, you know, played T-ball and then whatever the next levels were after that. And it just made, it kind of makes you think like, Oh yeah. You know, if, 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 some of the young women were kind of geared towards hardball, then we would have played against more of them. But, you know, they're geared towards softball or other sports, non-contact sports or whatever. But, you know, I've seen over the years, I've seen some uh, some really decent women, uh, you know, or young girl baseball players over the years.
1: Well, and the fun thing is, and and by the way, I have that at number four also. Um, Just just such a great all around movie. I was 19 when it came out, went to the theater. Saw. just fell in love with it. The whole concept of the movie to basically be a documentary almost for this women's league from from the 40s. It was just fantastically made. Such a good movie. Um, You know, I, I hate to say that. Tom Hanks stole it because there are so many great actors and actresses in it. Uh, and, and the movie was, was basically about this women's league. So he didn't really steal the movie for me um, because I loved the baseball action. Um, the, you know, the gamesmanship with the women on the field. I thought it was just it was just put together really well. But um, speaking of that, you know, so, so you were talking about my daughters. So, they started in little league here in Reno. And, uh, I, it was, I, I, I coached 15 years of little league, my nephew back in the Bay area, all, all over the place. And so I started coaching my daughters. And then what I realized was that the boys were a little, um, at, at that age, you're talking about, you know, Eight, six, seven, eight years old. The boys wanted more than anything to take off everybody's hats and throw them in the garbage can, and you know, <laughs> make the fart noises and do all the other stuff that they wanted to do. And the girls were like, "What do we do next? Do, you know, can we take ground balls now? Can we do this? Can we do that?" But that's just how girls are at that age. They're more like, "Let's just." play. We're here to play. So I ended up, um, when my oldest turn, I believe was eight or nine, I started an all girls baseball team Mm -hmm. at our, our, our little league at Washoe little league. Was it
0: hard hard politically to get that started?
1: No, not at all. Actually, somebody had done it before us, um, and then it was defunct for about two years. And then I brought it back. They were the Pink Angels. And I said, well, I'm bringing them back, but we're the Pink Giants. Mm -hmm. I said, you you understand? We have to be the Giants. There's no Mm -hmm. other way. And they go, well, the Pink Angels kind of plays off the whole... I said, no. We're Giants fans. We're the Pink Giants. That's what we're Mm -hmm. going with. So the the league actually did it for us, and it was fantastic. We got all the girls at that level. Level. And there were a lot, there are a lot of girls that play little league nowadays, which is great. And so I'm still waiting to see some in high school. And, you know, I, I understand softball is different, blah, blah, blah. I coached in softball. It's not the same game. It's frustrating. Um, it's just not, it's too slow. It's not baseball. Uh, so, so I'm waiting to see more girls get into high school baseball. I would absolutely love to see that, uh, cause they have the ability it's there and it's just got to give them a chance. But, but so I took this pink giants team and we did that for a couple of years and, and, and after games, we'd, beat the boy team so bad that after games, the boy teams would be crying. <laughs> and it, so it was like lessons learned. You know, if you, if you go up against a tough team, you have to learn how to stand your ground. And you play and then give them props, you know, because these girl teams, I'm telling you, every girl that I ever coach, except for my own daughters, because, you know, your own kids don't listen to you. All the other girls on the team would listen to me and and would really try their hardest. And they wanted to put everything into it. And they wanted to be good. That's all they wanted to do is they wanted to do something and be good at it. And they had fun, you know, so so that was the fun thing. But anyways, that, that kind of plays off of a league of our own. I always had a good
0: time doing that. And I miss it. And, you know, I failed to mention this, but Penny Marshall directs the movie. So, right. you know, just somebody who, you know, when we're growing up, like she's in our lives in Laverne and Shirley and right. um, just comes from a, a, a very uh, talented family. And then she's behind uh, behind the director's lens with this one. So. All right. So now let's get to number three for me, which is um, the, the, So these next three films depending on, on the time of day, I, I may have one of them <laughs> exactly. at one and one of them at three. But uh, as I was thinking about this, uh, I've bull Durham at three. I imagine this is on your list too.
1: That's my number three. <laughs> so and like you said too, I, I'm, I'm sure it's this, the next three of yours are the same three as mm-hmm. mine that could go in any one, two or three
0: position. Mm-hmm. So bull Durham, uh, the story of uh, the Durham bulls, Kevin Costner, uh, minor league uh you know the minor league baseball story and the thing that i really liked about this movie is it seemed now i don't know we, we we've read books on the minor leagues and on baseball clubhouses it just seemed real like it seemed there were there was enough goofy stuff with tim robbins and susan sarandon and he's wearing her her uh garter or whatever underneath his baseball and he's you know looking to the heavens like Fernando Valenzuela it's just there's just quirky enough stuff to where you're like oh i bet you they got that from like a real story a real uh, a real minor league story and Ron Shelton the director i want to say he played minor league baseball as well so he has the experience of uh, uh, of some of these things that that are in the movie but I didn't watch this one until a little bit later. So I believe it's 1988. So I'd have been 12. I probably didn't watch it. Like, I, I don't, you know, my, I wouldn't have gone to see the movies, uh, see this at the movies, but I would probably say like, you know, 1990 around that times when I would have saw it for the first time on cable and just like, Really funny. It's a little bit more adult than uh, you know than the other movies. Though uh, one of my Major League, which is going to be on your list, is is very adult as well. Um, But yeah, just uh, there's a love story there. There's like a love triangle story. The baseball seems legitimate. You have the line about you know sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, sometimes it rains. Just really, really good stuff. And I, I was not not to say that we needed. A sequel but i would have always i would have loved to see what the follow-up story could be does you know does nuke lelouch become like a 20 game winner in the big leagues and all of a sudden you know uh crash davis and annie savoy they're you know they live happily ever at like or does you know, Coster's like, ah, oh, got to give it one last try, and you know, whatever that story was, uh, I was always interested in where they would have possibly taken it. Not that, not that they had to make it, but I always kind of wondered about their lives. What happened after this movie? I always
1: thought a, a, a good sequel, and again, yeah, I, I do have that in number three as well. But I always thought a good sequel for that was Crash Davis. You know, years later, toiling in the miners as a manager, mm-hmm. having to deal with the call ups and the send down and the um, politics of being a triple-A manager or double-A manager where it's not about winning, it's about developing these guys. And uh, he just wants to get to the majors. He wants to be a major league manager so mm-hmm. he could just do one thing, and that's just win and win Boch Boch Boach, exactly.
0: So, so I always thought that would be kind even of... Though, even though Boach was a big leaguer, but... Yeah, exactly. He, Boach did manage in the minors. He was a big well. leaguer, but he wasn't, you know an all-star big leaguer yeah. should we say yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah no really really good movie okay number 2 for me um so the, my last two films are major league and field of dreams yeah. um i'm an, i i will have major league at number 2 it is a classic. We mentioned it when we were talking about the Indians. You, you you, thought, you know, the nickname of the of the Cleveland Indians should have to do with this movie. And so, you know, that's how much of an impact it made for you is like, yeah, let's we're going to name the Cleveland baseball team over a fictitious movie that was about this Cleveland baseball team. But this movie is hilarious. I think more so than anything, um, It just made baseball seem really really cool and not baseball was always sort of seen as like oh America's pastime but it wasn't a sport that necessarily um, really was responsive to young people but when you had the individuality of wild thing where he's got the you know the stuff in his head and and the, the you know the haircut and, and the fastball and, and and the biker jacket and all that stuff and Willie Mays Hayes and just the personalities, like I thought it really made baseball seem like such a cool sport. And when you and I are growing up, you know, we're playing baseball, so we kind of have tunnel vision, but a lot of our friends didn't necessarily see baseball as being a cool sport. It was a little hard. It was a little slow and it wasn't like sexy enough to be like, oh, I really want to play baseball. But this movie made it seem like the greatest sport.
1: Yeah. And, and I do. Yeah, I've got it number two and then uh, I have the same number one <laughs> as well. <laughs> but we're of that era. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So when you look at it, there were a ton of um, ton of movies early. 30s, 40s, 50s. Then around the 60s and 70s, it kind of baseball movies kind of died out. And then all of a sudden they made this resurgence in the 80s and 90s and came back with full force. When you, if you just Google list of baseball movies and then go to Wikipedia to see the list of them, there are a lot of movies about baseball because it's the national pastime. Mm-hmm. It is slow. There are a lot of conversations that happen on the field, in the dugout, in the stands. Uh, Brockmeyer, I don't know if you've ever seen the show Brockmire. Oh, yeah. That's an awesome example. I of- have to
0: watch the last season. I didn't okay. realize there was a last season when I watched it the first time.
1: I'm I'm rewatching the whole thing again just because I love it so much. Uh, Hank Azaria is is just awesome in anything he does. It's extremely vulgar, extremely <laughs> dirty. Uh, so just be forewarned before you dive into Brockmire, but it is it is really good. Joe Buck makes some appearances. Oh and, yeah, uh, it's, it's it's a lot of fun, and that's what baseball is. Baseball is fun. It's bizarre. The again the. Can't even imagine some of the uh, conversations in the dugout. So when I saw major league, I thought, wow, I really connect with this because Mm -hmm. I was a sophomore in high school, uh, just finishing up my sophomore year playing ball. Um, And this was a lot of kind of what went on. Again, at the high school level, uh, conversations and slowness and that camaraderie of teammates. And then we would finish a game when we'd all go out together. Um, it was just really a tight knit group. If you've ever been on a baseball team, it's always a very tight knit group. You got the couple guys who just you don't get along with or whatever but they always seem to kind of hang out with you, too. Everybody just hung out. So I think when Major League came out, uh, I went to the theater to see it and I saw it a couple times because I was just, man, this just blows me away. I, I really connected with it and felt like every character, every type of character. And it was just a lot of fun. Major League Two also wasn't horrible. It was yeah. fun. But then and, back the, the to the problem. The
0: problem is, is no Wesley Snipes
1: exactly. Omar Epps. The is it,
0: is, yeah, because they couldn't get Wesley. He he became a little big time. You know, oh, big time. Did did a movie called White Man Can't Jump, uh, it's, <laughs> or, uh, and and so, um. So okay. So here here's what also relates to this movie for me. Uh, 1988, a book called Baseball Confidential comes out and this book is about the little secrets the game behind the game the uh the, the you know kind of like this the psychology the little um reasons why these guys are upset at each other stealing strikes you know it, it ain't cheating if you don't get caught so this book <laughs> comes out and i loved this book i mean i I remembered the title of it and this book is like you know 30 some odd years old um but it's right around that same time so major league comes out and it's almost like oh like there's even a little bit more of you know what happens bull durham the same way right they're telling you you know, you you only know what you know. Here's a little bit of insight into what really goes on. So I love stuff like that, yeah. and so this fit right at the same time frame for me uh, of my kind of just my curiosity about the game. I, I just want every I just wanted to know so much about pro sports back then, but baseball was always the the mysterious one. You know? Yeah,
1: yeah. That that and and it's because there's not that connection so much from the 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 stands to the field uh, i mean cuz what's going on in the stands is completely 100% different than what's going on in the dugout and that that's what's always kind of made me smile when I remember my years of playing baseball. And, you know, like you and I, we played men's league and semi-pro and all this stuff. And and there was always that disconnection. Like you were in the dugout and you were in a completely different world. You you had no idea what was going on anywhere else. You were in the dugout, hanging out, watching the game, just, you know, bullcrapping about what was going on out there and what was going on after the game or before the game. And, you know, it it was just a completely different world. So that, that was the, Always the fun thing about baseball. There's some really good baseball books too. We should do, uh,
0: yeah, totally. baseball books one of these days. Totally. All right. The so the our, both of our number ones. So our top uh, our top four was absolutely the same. Uh, but, <laughs> but 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 it, it's it's field of dreams. And here's my question to you. Yes. You, did, did your dad play baseball as well? He did.
1: Uh, he played at the now defunct, uh, Sunnyvale high school. Um, so he was a Sunnyvale jet. He played two years, but in that time that was hmm, early sixties. So when he, after his sophomore year, he had to get a job, um, and went to work with his, uh, with his dad. Dad. No, I'm, I'm sorry. That was the 50s, actually. So I went to work with his dad. Uh, so he, he only played the two years, but he did coach me in, oh, four or five years of Little League Baseball.
0: So when it comes to this movie, did you both relate to it in the way that you were meant to relate to this movie? Because like, the way that this movie is set up, it is literally meant... For you to be uh, to, to have this relationship to the person who taught you baseball it doesn't only have to be your dad, just like Kevin Costner's character and his dad. Like there's this there's this scene where they're playing catch and it feels like everybody who was taught baseball by their dad, like really, really just relates to this scene. You know,
1: my dad is a great man. He doesn't have a lot to say. <laughs> so <laughs> now he does. He's been retired for years. Now we can sit down and have a beer and, and, you know, shoot the, shoot the stuff for hours. No problem. But back then when it came out, uh, he was working. He didn't have a lot to say. Uh, what was that? 1989. So no, I was, I was 16. Um, you know, we, we didn't see it together, but I did, I did feel that, you know, I personally felt that connection. I was like, you know what, as I was 16 years old playing high school baseball, I remembered my dad took the time to teach me baseball took the time to coach my little league teams mm-hmm. uh, for so many years and so that was the connection I had I you know I've never I've never honestly asked him about it mm-hmm. um, so that may be something after a couple of bourbons I,
0: <laughs> I throw it out there and see what he thinks now <laughs> send, 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 yeah, send him a text or, or something yeah, tonight. exactly um, okay so he doesn't even s-
1: text so I don't even know if I can
0: do that well you gotta text your mom <laughs> all right so here's here's my second question now both of your daughters played. Do they have a connection with that movie or is that movie just too old for them? We have.
1: You know what? I have not showed them that movie yet. Um, they're 14 and 12 now. I It is on my list because it is one of my f- top five films of all time. Um, so I will definitely be showing them that. Uh, fairly soon. I would probably this season even. Um, so I'll have to ask them afterwards, but that is a good question.
0: Yeah, because I wonder, what I wonder is if you'll get the same connection with them because though that that movie clearly makes it about uh, a son and his father, right. I think the connection to baseball and child and parent I, I think it, I think it's all in the same. Like, just it's just so it's just so that Kevin Costner's character, you know, w- related to his dad. But I think no matter the gender, if you like baseball, somebody taught it to you, and you relate to that movie, and you think of the person who taught it to you.
1: Exactly, and. I would imagine definitely my older one, she played the most amount of baseball and softball. My younger one played two years. That was it for her. Then she did soccer and and then that was it for her. She's more of she's very artsy. She loves to draw and paint. She is fantastic with that, loves to make music. Um, So I think the older one will probably feel that connection because she hasn't played her last year of softball was about three years ago but to this day she still asks me on the weekends every now and then hey let's bring a bucket out there and uh let's go hit and let's go play catch and do stuff so she, that's still pretty much a, a huge connection for for me and the older one
0: well i um you know i i've, I've seen that movie a bunch of times i forget the name of the book there uh, the the there, there was a book, it was a novel that F- Field of Dreams was then created um, after. And well, the, I,
1: the main character's name in the movie, Kevin Costner is this Ray Kinsella. Yeah. W.P. Kinsella is the writer of the book, and it's called Shoeless Joe. There you go. Yeah. And I have that book and I've read that, I don't know, three, four times probably. Um, Great book. But yeah, it was. So he used his last name as the main character um, in the movie as well.
0: Yeah. So I've read it as well, but I actually read it. So the book is Shoeless Joe. Then when the movie came out, they published a version of it as the field of dreams, like whatever. Uh, So, um, but overall, like, that it, it's so weird because from like an like like a minute by minute if you were to compare um major league and bull Durham are more entertaining minute by minute cuz that's how that movie is built Field of dreams very much like baseball it's yeah. a little <laughs> slower they're really selling you you know the james earl jones character uh terence what what is the author's name uh oh uh yeah uh, <laughs> I can't think of his name at yeah, the moment. He, uh, you you pulled you pulled WP Kinsella right out of your <laughs> rear end. So I was hoping you were going to say Terrence Man. I you looked go. that up. There Terrence you go. Mann. There you yes, go. Yes, yes. Uh but but it is it, it's a slow ride and then when it hits like you just sort of go okay now I get what this movie is about. But it it takes you it takes you a little while to get there. So that's that's what I like about that movie. But that's another one where it doesn't really matter what scene that uh, if I'm changing the channel, I'll I'll stick with it because I'm like oh my gosh like you know I, this is not a movie that they play on TV all the time either,
1: right? And and uh, you can never forget too the uh, the the cameo of uh, Doctor Archibald Moonlight Graham, the uh, Lancaster. That yep. was fantastic. But yep. yeah, it's not it's not one of those movies that you sit down and you're like hey let's get entertained let's just uh, let's laugh and have a good time. No, it's. <laughs> It's deep. There's a you gotta lot. You got to be ready.
0: You got to be ready for it, too. You're going to get exactly. in your feelings a little bit.
1: Yeah. And the, and the little girl choking on the hot dog. I mean, all those things, you're just like, it's it's, it's a heavy movie. Um, it's rated PG. It's, a, you know, about an hour and 45 minutes. But that hour and 45 minutes, when you're done, you're like, wow. Yeah. There was a lot going on
0: there. But it did take there, a there, while. There's to one to flaw through. in this movie, though. What's that? Which, which is Shoeless Joe Jackson hitting right-handed.
1: Oh, that's right. (laughs) I forgot about that. I remember when that came out, that was kind of a big deal. Everybody was like, Hey, hang on a second. (laughs) I completely forgot about it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that, that is the one flaw, but overall, uh, it's the best. It's, it's my favorite one still. Um, all right. So next week, if there are not uh, if there's not a lot of news we're going to have to come up with something else. Um maybe maybe we should just talk about Brockmire cuz Brockmire is really good. At- <laughs>
1: there you go. <laughs> well, we should have some news on Sagano. Yes. Whether he's with us or not or back in Japan. I mean, we'll we'll we should know that by next week.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that that'll be good and then, you know, we're getting we like I said we're getting a little closer to uh, spring training and uh I think as far as I think, I'm most interested, I, I'm obviously interested in, in in the big league team, but because we didn't have a minor league system, I want to see where they put these guys. Uh, where's lucky luciano gonna start is he gonna start in high a ball and then you know they're gonna try to move him along quickly where's where's uh, bailey gonna start uh you know a lot of a lot of their young pitching kind of just wondering like where you know how quickly they want to move these guys through the system because obviously the, the the more quickly they move them through the system, I think the more attractive they will be as uh, as pieces for other teams. Should the Giants start, you know, looking for for bigger and better players on, on the trade level, uh, you know, you can't just sit a guy in single A for three years because you haven't had time with him, you you want, you know, other teams want to, okay, how does he adjust to this pitching and how does he adjust? You, you mentioned this a couple of weeks ago and we broke down the minor league system. You know, how does he adjust when, when he goes up that next level in, in pitching? So th- I think that's going to be so important is just to see how quickly they move some of these guys through. Cause you know, obviously we want to see Joey Bart hit 300 and, and hit 20 jacks in triple a <laughs> for half the season and then come up, right. Cause they're going to have to move guys up too. So that, oh, yeah. That 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 I I'm so interested in in how they're going to. Uh in spring training, who, who kind of comes up and then all, and then when the season starts, I'm so interested in, you know, who's, who's in double A, who's in triple A. So,
1: well, and, and I'm, uh, you know, like seven miles away from our triple A stadium. Are they going to have triple A baseball, you know, the Reno aces, which is the diamondbacks triple A club. Are they going to have games? Can they have games? I mean, are you just going to do games without crowds? Okay. You know, if that happens, that happens. Cool. At least get these guys some reps, man. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but, but again, it, all totally depends on how this all shakes out so
0: yeah all right so we'll be back next week and uh for brad i'm double g we'll see when we see you peace out peace